This is a podcast from Real Life Sango in Clarksville, Tennessee. Thank you for being a part of our online community. We would love for you to join us at 8.30 or 10 a.m. on Sunday morning at the City Forum. In the meantime, if you would like to share a prayer request, make a financial contribution, or take a step at Real Life, you can text MISSION to 97000. Now enjoy the podcast. Amen. Well, I invite you to grab a Bible and turn to Colossians chapter 4. We're wrapping up our sermon series on prayer this morning. You guys, next week, I'm so excited. We're going to start preaching through uh, the book of Ephesians. So um, I invite you to start reading through the book of Ephesians. Come ready to dig in next week. We'll start in Ephesians chapter 1 and just walk through that book. But it's been a great sermon series on prayer. Um, I'm curious, the the whole goal of this sermon series, um, if you're just jumping in with us, if this is your first Sunday in this sermon series. Our whole goal of this sermon series has been to, to catalyze us toward praying. And we've said it this way, we want to pray um, out loud, at home, every day. So that, that's the vision, but I can't help but to think that, that most of us this morning might have been like, pray out loud, at home, a day. Anybody with me? All right. Hey, let me ask this, just by a show of hands. Um, how many of you through this prayer series, how many of you have um, have taken a step in your prayer life at home. Any, would anybody raise your hand and say, we've taken a step? Um, here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to hear from some of you. You're like, oh, that was a trick, right? Because we just raised our No, I'd really like to hear from some of you. So if you would just be willing just to share a testimony about like what you've done, what you've seen God do, just a step you've taken in this sermon series, would you raise your hand? Pastor Tim and I are coming around with mics. You don't have to stand up. We just want to hear it. Awesome. Thank you so much. So good. So what has God been doing, and and what step have you taken? So at nighttime, um, at nighttime, before we put our son to bed, um, we've started praying with him, not every night, but we've tried to, and it makes a huge difference. Our nights go so much smoother, and I can tell it really impacts him, so it's been very important. This is a new thing for you guys, right? very new. Um, So not to embarrass you guys, but um, just a few months ago, you walked through the door, and it was your first time to really come into a church. Is that right? Come on, church. Let's celebrate. That's why we're here. That's what we're doing. So not only did you step into church, but you've stepped into this new relationship with God where you're praying. Thank you so much for leading us this morning in testimony. Somebody else, somebody else, just share a testimony of, of what step have you taken? What new thing has God been doing? We've got one right there. Awesome. Hello, uh, my name is Grayson. I just wanted to clear that up. Um, uh, so I told all my friends at school about, because I was stuck in a boot um, almost for a whole entire week, and that really annoyed me. Um, but they prayed, and it actually feels really better to where I can wear my own shoe again and not the boot. Come on, brother. All right. Amen. <laughs> Thank you, Grayson. Anybody else really annoyed with anything in life? <laughs> but you keep trying to solve it on your own? Learn from Grayson. Had some friends pray. He's out of the boot. Praise God. Somebody else. Just something. It might be. It might be small for you guys, but let's share with the church family. Somebody else, you've taken a step over there. Awesome. Somebody over on this side. Great. Go ahead. So there have been a couple of mornings um, that India and Jesse and I have prayed together in the kitchen before school and before work, and I've noticed that it just makes that 
small thing can make a huge difference the rest of your day. So good. Paul, I love, you do, I love that you do that at the beginning of the day. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. And what better way to seek his rule, his reign in our life than speaking to him in our home? Brother, thank you. I've tried starting to make a habit of every time we're pulling out of the driveway in the morning with my kids just to say a little prayer. And um, it's just been neat to see recently my three-year-old will start piping in with like what she wants to thank God for. And so that's been a blessing. So good. Guys, God is changing the culture of our homes. Do you hear that? Three years old, piping in. Isn't, isn't that what God intended? A few weeks ago, we looked at the Shema in Deuteronomy chapter 6, where God gave his people Israel those instructions to, to talk about the Lord's word in the morning, when they rise, when they walk in the way, at, at night. And sister, thank you for allowing God to shape a, a new culture of prayer in your home. Anybody else? Anybody else? There's always somebody that goes, doggone it, I should have shared. Somebody else? Um, I had a buddy in between services say, um, you know, like, like my wife and I, we've been seeking the Lord individually, but this sermon series has helped us pray together. And he said, we've always talked about like what we prayed about individually, but now we're praying together in our home and it's been a little bit of a game changer. But he said, you know, it's, he said for, for two folks that are really passionate about their faith, it's been surprising how like vulnerable it's been for us to pray together. So it's been my hope, you guys, that, that, that God's Spirit would move in our hearts through this sermon series to move us toward that vulnerability of saying, Lord, we want the culture of our family, we want the culture of our home to be shaped by you and to be marked by your presence so we're actually going to talk to you out loud in our, in our home. So church, I'm so proud of you. I'm just, I'm so excited for what God's doing. And we just got through singing, we're almost home. So, so what do we do before we're home? What do we do now? We, we're, we're, this morning we're wrapping up this sermon series on prayer. So, so now what do we do? Several of you, you've taken this step into prayer. So now what? Now, now that you've taken this, this one single step, now what? Well, in Colossians 4, the Apostle Paul writes and he gives us four ways to think about prayer, four ways to pray. And the first thing that he gives us, let's look at it together, Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 4. Let's read it, we'll pray, we'll dig in. The Apostle Paul, it's amazing that he's writing while in prison for doing what was right. Some people are in prison for doing what was wrong. <laughs> the Apostle Paul was in prison for obeying the Lord. And I'm, I'm kind of thinking, if I'm in prison for doing what was right, the only thing I'm writing to anybody is, get me out of here. You know what I mean? Like, come, bring the heavy artillery and break me out of here. But the Apostle Paul, his priorities are the people of God living out the purposes of God. So he's writing to instruct the church while he's in jail. Look at this, verse 2. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, Pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I might make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Let's read it one more time and then pray. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. 
And at the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I'm in prison that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. Let's pray and ask for God's help. Father, we pray, speak to us in a personal way. Speak to us in a, in a powerful way. Lord, we need to hear from you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. So we're almost home. So what do we do? So we're wrapping up this we're wrapping up this series on prayer. So now what? We've taken a step. Now what? Well, you saw it right there in the text, right? What do we do now? Continue steadfastly. Continue in prayer. Look, look at verse 2 again with me. Continue steadfastly in prayer. Those two words, continue steadfastly, is one word in the Greek which says it's not a, an initiative. It's not an experiment. It's not just like a, just a trial. Rather, this is a lifestyle. It's the same word that Luke uses in, in Acts chapter 1, verse 14, when he's describing how the disciples, after Jesus had ascended to the, to the right hand of the Father, um, how, how he's, he tells the disciples, go into the upper room and pray and wait for the Holy Spirit to come. And Luke records in Luke 1, 14, all these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer. That's what he's saying. Continue steadfastly. Be devoted in prayer. It, it, this word literally means to attach oneself. And what came to my mind is a Lego. Have you ever heard the joke that like guys know what like uh, labor pains are like by stepping on a Lego? It's a really bad joke, isn't it, ladies? Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Right. Um, but have you ever have you ever like tried to like take a Lego piece that's attached perfectly to take it apart? Sometimes it's really hard to get that Lego piece off when it's attached, right? That's the image that we see here, continue steadfastly. Attach yourself to God in prayer. Cling to him in such a way that it's hard to get you off of him. That's his invitation to us. In, in the book of James, it says, draw near to God, and he'll draw near to us. Some of us, some of us this morning in this room, you're feeling depressed, you're feeling anxious, Maybe you're even feeling angry because you've only flirted with prayer. You've not yet devoted yourself to prayer. And by God's design, he wants to change that in your life. But the change can only happen when we devote ourselves, when we passionately persist, when we continue steadfastly in prayer. Listen, God has a better way than just flirting with prayer. He wants us to be devoted in prayer, continue steadfastly. The second way that, that Paul instructs us to pray is to be watchful in it. Look at verse 2 again. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful. Being watchful. On Father's Day, we talked about this word, being watchful. And it's just this reality that we have an enemy. And it's so easy to wake up and to go about our day and totally forget that we have an enemy. We don't just have an enemy. We have, we have more than an enemy. We have the devil himself, the deceiver. The one that wants to destroy our life. And this ought to sober us. Every day we wake and live, we are in a spiritual battle. And the devil is seeking to take us out. But that's not our only enemy. We also have our flesh. The old man. The old way of living. The old value system. God's given us a new way by his Holy Spirit that lives in us. But until Jesus comes again, we're still going to battle the flesh. And the flesh is one of our enemies. And so Paul's saying, you've got to be watchful in prayer. Why? Because the flesh would love to make you think, I don't need to pray. That's the, that's the prideful flesh. That's your enemy. The prideful flesh saying, I don't need, I don't need to pray. 
The, the prideful flesh would say, later, I'll put, it off, I'll put it off later. The enemy would love to trip us up and say, well, you don't know how to pray, right? God's too busy for you. What, what you're wanting to pray about, God doesn't care about, right? He lies to us all the time. He's an enemy. I love living in Clarksville, being surrounded by so many military families. And um, when, when, as I think about this image of being watchful, I can't help but to think about our soldiers. So I asked Brad Fowers, um, one of our former soldiers, Brad, come on up. If you would, you guys give him a warm welcome here. Um, if, I, if I were to read for you this morning all of Brad's military accolades, um, he would be far too embarrassed and would never be a sermon illustration again for me. Um, and it would take way too long. But here's a picture of Brad and his team. Um, Brad, can you tell us a little bit about this picture and uh, what you guys were doing? So this picture was... Uh taken in November of uh, 2001, shortly after the attacks of 9-11. I'm uh, the one on the back row to the right of the guy in the turban, the one that can't grow any facial hair. <laughs> I was pretty young. Uh, the guy in the center with the turban on, his name is Hamid Karzai. Uh, our mission was to insert him into southern Afghanistan to gain popular support where they thought he would have the most support. And he would later become the president of Afghanistan. And so during both invasions of Afghanistan and Iraq, the team I was on, we were, we were inserted far forward of any friendly forces, kind of out in the middle of, of enemy territory. So our security was paramount. We always had to maintain 24-hour security at all times. Yeah, tell us a little about that. You just said you always had to maintain 24-hour security at all times. Practically, what did that look like for you guys? So that, that looked like sleep was rotational because there was always a, a portion of our force up. Um, eating was rotational. You eat when you can. It's not like a big banquet. You kind of eat little portions of your, of your rations whenever you can. Um, even things like changing your socks, you do it one boot at a time. You're, you're just always, always at the ready because of the kind of environment you're operating in. So. You, you guys had a phrase for this. Yeah, we, we termed it a constant state of readiness because it's, it's just it's the, your life for that, that situation. Why, why was it necessary for you guys to have a constant state of readiness? Because you never know when the attack is coming. You yeah. just have to wow. be ready for it. Did you guys hear that? Did you guys hear that? How many of you have served in our armed forces? Serving now, serving for, formally, give it up for the soldiers, right? Um, you never know when the enemy's going to attack. I kind of, you know, I kind of feel like if we could capture the mindset that you had in Afghanistan and in other places, you would have to keep watch, rotate sleep, rotate eat, like be looking around while you put your boot on. Like we so desperately need to understand the nature that we need to pray, as Paul said, being watchful. Be, being watchful. Brad, brother, thank you, man. Thank you. You guys give it up one more time. Listen, church, listen to me. For some of you this morning, the devil has a foothold in your life, but you don't even know it because you're not praying watchfully. As you pray, you're not on the lookout. Somehow you've lost sense of reality that we're in a spiritual battle. You've taken your eye off the ball. You... You, you're sleeping through the night, 
Uh, it reminds me of in Jesus, in Matthew 26, 40, verse 41. And he said to his disciples, he came to his disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, so you could not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. There's one of the enemies, the flesh. And then Peter in 1 Peter 5, 8 says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Church, listen to me. If you take your relationship with the Lord casually, the devil will have a field day in your life. If you fall asleep spiritually, the devil will attack. The flesh will lead you astray. And for some of us, we've just just shrunk back. And this morning is the time that the Lord is saying, hey, rise up again. Be watchful again. Pray, alert, pray. Lord, protect me from the enemy. Lord, protect my children from the enemy. Lord, protect our church from the enemy. Lord, protect us from division. Lord, protect my heart from disbelief. Lord, protect me from believing the lies of the enemy. That has to be a part of our prayer life, friends. And if we are, the Lord is glad to hear and answer that prayer. So we're to pray continually, continuing steadfastly, and we're to pray watchful, but we're also to pray thankful. If you've been, if you've been a part of this sermon series, and you know, um, would somebody hold up one of those laminated cards there in the black Bibles there? If you haven't gotten one of those, hold them up high. If you haven't gotten one of those, grab one of these and take it home with you. We've given you this, this acronym to pray through, Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, Supplication. It's super helpful, and it comes right out of God's Word, this, this, this pattern of prayer. The disciples asked Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. And then Jesus began to immediately give them some handles on how to pray. But a part of that is thanking the Lord. If you've never done this, I want to encourage you maybe do this this week. If you've never gone maybe out to a farm or over to Rotary Park and just said, okay, I'm going to start, I'm going to start my prayer and I'm just going to start thanking God for everything that comes to my mind. And I'm not going to stop praying until the Lord stopped bringing things to my mind. You ever done that? If you're in great need of an attitude adjustment, do this. Because here's what's awesome. Thanksgiving is powerful. Listen to me. Thanksgiving is powerful. Thanksgiving has the power to eliminate your envy. You know, we're scrolling through social media and we're envious of that vacation or that car or that dress or whatever. But Thanksgiving helps eliminate our envy. Thanksgiving helps crush our jealousy. Thanksgiving helps dissolve our discontent. And if you'll, just, if you'll just carve out some time to start and say, God, I'm just going to thank you until I can't think of anything else to thank you for. You just watch your heart change. It'll cure your, cover, your coveting, friends. It'll remind you what 1 Corinthians 4, 7 says. What do we have that we did not receive? Every good gift, the book of James says, comes down from the Father of lights. Friends, if you need an attitude adjustment, get alone. Get on a farm, go out to the park, start thanking God, and don't stop until you can't think of something else. Just watch what God will do in your life as you pray. The scripture says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. So we're praying continually, steadfastly, 
watchful and thankful, but we see Paul here praying with a gospel focus. Look at verses 3 and 4 with me. He says, at the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word. What word? To declare the mystery of Christ. What is that? That's the gospel, the mystery of Christ, the message of Christ. Paul's saying, pray for gospel opportunity. Some of you have done this before. At the beginning of your day, you pray, Lord, give me an opportunity to tell somebody about Jesus today. Lord, give me an opportunity to share with a friend or a coworker the difference that, that Lord, you've made in my life. That's what praying for a gospel opportunity for. And that's what Paul's saying. He's in jail. <laughs> and he's obsessed with the mission of Jesus. He's like, Lord, I'm not going to complain about my circumstances. I'm just going to, would you guys pray that God will give me an opportunity for the word to share the mystery of Jesus here in jail? He's obsessed with the mission of Jesus. He's praying for gospel opportunity. Um, I encourage you, pray that prayer at the beginning of the day. Lord, give me an opportunity. The Lord loves to answer that prayer. He'll surprise you. You'll go throughout your day with a little bit of a different lens, watchful to see who God's going to bring in your pathway. Gospel opportunity, look at, look at the rest of verse 3 with me. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I am in prison. Here Paul's just reminding them the gospel is worthy of suffering for. God is worthy of suffering for. Listen, Christianity is not a field day, it's a cross. Jesus said, if you're going to come after me, you've got to bear your cross. That's why songs like we just sang, Almost Home, are necessary for the church because life is hard and following Jesus is hard, but we're almost home. We're almost home. Jesus said, if they hated me, don't be surprised when they hate you. In other words, don't resist stubbornly suffering that comes, but count it a privilege to share in the sufferings of Jesus. Boy, that's easier said than done, isn't it, church? It's so much easier said than done. That's why we need to put our lives under the constant teaching and preaching of God's Word, because it's, it's through the renewing of our mind that we're transformed, and we're willing to walk through suffering gladly. We see gospel opportunity, gospel suffering, and lastly, we see gospel clarity. Look at verse 4 with me. Verse 3, he says, at the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I'm in prison, verse 4, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. What is he praying for? He's praying for gospel clarity. Now, why is that so important? Here's why it's so important. Listen. Your friends, your coworkers, your neighbors, your loved ones, the people that you love so bad that you so want them to experience the hope of Jesus, they will never come to Christ if they don't hear the message clearly. You can pray for them and pray for them and pray for them and pray for them and pray for them. But Paul wrote it this way in the book of Romans. He says, consequently, faith comes from hearing the message of Christ. So how does faith come? Is it when we pray all day for our friends? Well, that can be like gasoline on God's work, right? For sure. But no, faith is only going to come when they hear the message of Christ. So we must get it what? Clear. We must get it clear. Isn't it interesting that Paul, isn't it interesting that Paul wasn't like praying, Lord, help, like, friends in Colossae, church at Colossae, would you pray that my sermons are really entertaining? <laughs> Would, would, you, would you pray that my presentation is dynamic? What was, he, what was he praying for? What was he asking for prayer for? Clarity. Clarity. 
The good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, as simply as I can share it this morning, is God is a holy, loving creator, never beginning, never ending. And he created man, us, as the pinnacle of his creation in his image. And sin has distorted that in our life and it's broken our relationship with God. The Bible says that our sins have hidden his face from us. But God, rich in love and rich in mercy, sent Jesus to this earth to die in our place, to bear our sins on the cross, to be the substitute so that we don't have to taste the wrath and judgment of God. But we could get the mercy of God. And Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He was buried and he rose victoriously from the dead, conquering Satan in sin and death in the grave. So that anybody who wants to turn to Jesus and trust in him can be saved. Can be saved from the wrath of God. Anybody that wants to turn to Jesus and trust in him, recognizing I'm a sinner and I need a savior, Jesus will welcome you in. And then he said, no one will take you out of the Father's hand. Turn to him and trust him today, and you never have to fear. Never have to fear the judgment again. You never have to fear Jesus' return. You can always excitingly look forward to it. That's the good news of the gospel. God is holy, and we are sinful. But he loves us, and we can turn to him, trust in him, and be saved. Who needs to do that today? Somebody here needs to do that today. I'm going I'm to just invite us to bow our heads in prayer. And if you're here today and you've never turned to Jesus to trust in him, I want to invite you to do it. I'm just going to give you a, just some words to say to God if you want to express faith in your heart to him. God, you are a big God. And I'm a broken man. I'm a broken woman. And I've sinned against you. Thank you for loving me with your perfect, unfailing love. Thank you for sending Jesus to die in my place. Oh, I need your forgiveness, God. And I want a relationship with you. So today I trust you. Is anybody here this morning, just with your heads bowed and eyes closed, anybody here this morning pray that prayer today for the first time in your life? Would you just lift your hand? Nobody's looking around, but I just want to know so I can celebrate with you and pray for you. Anybody here this morning said, I'm trusting in Jesus for the first time. I think many of us this morning that have received Jesus by faith, we need the Spirit of God to do a fresh work in our heart, to light our hearts on fire, to break us out of our apathy to give us a passion to seek him. Church, if you're in that place and you just want me to pray for you, would you just lift your hand and say, I need God to soften my heart. I need God to reinvigorate my passion for him. Just lift your hand. I see you all over the worship center this morning. One of the greatest ways that God renews our passion for him is by reminding us of how rich his forgiveness is, how rich his mercy is. We're going to sing a song in just a moment that says, Though our sins are many, his mercy is more. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you that you did the unthinkable in sending Jesus. We thank you that nothing can separate us from your love. And we thank you, God, that, that though we may think we've exhausted your mercy and grace, you're standing ready to forgive us today. So, Lord, as we sing this song, would you renew our passion for you? Would you remind us 
of the strength of your gospel, the strength of Jesus' work. Yeah, we trust you. We trust you in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. Let's stand to our feet. Thank you for listening. We trust that God is stirring something special in your heart today. We hope to see you on Sunday very soon. Keep it real. Keep it Jesus.